Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for each and every person that is here this morning, our beautiful family. We just ask, God, that you would come in this place. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for you. And we just want to pause this morning and just make space for you to speak in our hearts, for you to move in our midst. We come this morning and we sing these songs, but we know that they're not just songs and they're not just words, but it's our connection that we make our offering of worship to you, God. So we just ask that you would receive our gift, our love this morning. We are so grateful. We have nothing to offer you in exchange for everything that you've given us. Even ourselves was yours to begin with. You created all of this. So we come with humility and with thankfulness and just in awe of who you are. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal yourself in a new way, each person in our hearts in a personal way, as we sing, as we worship, as we hear your word this morning, as we pray. Amen. Let's sing this morning. Oh 
for this call to worship from Luke chapter 11. You can play something, Kevin, if you'd like. Um, so this is Jesus speaking, and he said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then know, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we're asking this morning, God, for your Holy Spirit to come in a new and a fresh way. And if you feel like you want to, a stirring in your heart, ask him for more. We can ask him. He's our Father, and he promises the one who asks will receive. So we ask, God, we want to see you move. We want to feel your presence. We need more of you, God. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen.
next song, I want you guys to do something. Everybody take a deep breath in and out. You feel that? In the New Testament, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It means breath. It's 
the power that we feel, that energy, the life that you feel when you breathe in, that's how they describe the spirit of God in the scriptures. It's the breath of God, which if you remember from Genesis, that he breathed in us. That's our life. He's everything. But that, if you've ever been choking and you can't breathe, and then you finally get that breath and you feel that relief and just that energy and that life in your body, that's the spirit. That's what we want to feel. That that's, that's how they describe it, metaphorically. <laughs> so let's just think about that this morning as we breathe in. Spirit of God, he is life. He's coming to refresh us, to give us life this morning. So let's not rush past this. Let's receive his life. Let's breathe him in.
heard the phrase the Holy Spirit and you want to know what it means where do you start well you have to start on page one of the Bible where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark chaotic place but then above the chaos God's Spirit is there hovering ready to bring about life and order and beauty okay but what is God's Spirit yeah so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence the Hebrew word is ruach Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, Ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's Ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. 
Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. And so today, the spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Amen. This is what we celebrate today on Pentecost Sunday. I'd like to invite you all to stand with me this morning as we read from none other than Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as they were filled, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygyra and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Oftentimes when you come to church on Pentecost Sunday, maybe you've heard something along the lines of, hey, happy birthday, church. Have you ever heard that before on Pentecost Sunday? Because we do tend to point to Pentecost as the birthday of the church, as the celebration of when the church was ignited and sent to be on mission with God. And some congregations or groups will even celebrate with an actual birthday cake. And no one is mad at celebrating Pentecost with a birthday cake, right? We're never mad if cake is involved. We can find a reason to have cake, and we definitely should do that. I I definitely, I do think that there is kind of this, this moment to celebrate. We can point to this moment that marks the birth of the church and the church being ignited and sent But friends, there is so much more happening here. There is so much to unpack. And and as I was thinking about it this week, it's always overwhelming to preach um, on Pentecost because there's just so much we could talk about. Even from just this passage alone, there's so much we can, can gain from this passage. And so, you know, it's a good thing that we preach from the same passage every year because there is so much to gain from this passage. And it's so much more than just simply Oh, the birth of the church. Let me give you a few things that you may not know or remember about Pentecost. You see, Pentecost is certainly on our Christian calendar. We always know when the day of Pentecost is is here and we know when to celebrate that. But it's important that we know that Pentecost was actually first on the Jewish calendar. This isn't our, our thing that we kind of recognize, but this was actually something that was celebrated by the Jews during this time. And, and it was referred to as different things. Sometimes Pentecost was referred to as the Feast of Pentecost. Sometimes it was referred to as the Feast of Weeks. Sometimes it's referred to as the Feast of First Fruits, which we're going to come back to in a moment. And it was often referred to as, however we say this, Shavat or Shavut. Okay, and so Pentecost during this time was celebrated 50 days after the beginning of Passover. So that's how they knew when to celebrate Pentecost. And as we read, Jews from all over the area would come together to celebrate even including those Jews who were scattered after exile. We call those the Jews, that group is called the diaspora. And they would come back together, even though after exile, they didn't necessarily make their way back to Israel. They would go to other places. Even they would come back together and they were all in one place as they celebrated Pentecost. And maybe you're wondering, well, what is it that they were celebrating exactly? What did Pentecost mean for them, and, and they would celebrate maybe many things, but among those things, they recognized and commemorated the giving of the Torah or the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. But they would also celebrate the harvest, or as we said from one of these names, the first fruits. 
And as I was thinking about how, how this was something that was in their minds, kind of this idea of celebrating a harvest or a first fruits, a first fruit celebration, I was really thinking about that this week and it really resonated with me. Because when we hear the word first fruits, what comes to mind is this is only the beginning. There's so much more to come. The first fruits is the foretaste of what is to come. And as I was thinking about this, I thought back to, to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8. If you have some time later today, I want to challenge you to go and read all of Romans chapter 8 because it's a great passage to read on the day of Pentecost. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about life in the spirit. And he talks about a lot of things. He talks about what it means to live in the spirit and that as Christians, living in the spirit means longing and pursuing more of which Christ desires and then getting rid of, of our desires and replacing those with what Christ desires for us. He talks about in living in the spirit, we are fully fully submitted to the ways of God, to the ways of King Jesus. And it's all possible because of the Holy Spirit living in us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You know this, right? But then later on, about halfway through chapter 8, Paul acknowledges another aspect of life lived in the Spirit, and I think it connects really well with this idea that the Jews were celebrating a harvest or a first fruit. So this is what Paul says in, in chapter 8, starting with verse 22. Listen, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit— we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul says the creation is groaning. Will you sit with that for just a moment? All creation is groaning. Do you sense it? Do you feel creation groaning? Maybe for some of you today, your bodies, your physical bodies are a reminder, yep, it's groaning. <laughs> yep, I can feel it right here as I sit. Unfortunately, it's, it's not as it should be. Right? But we are very well aware that creation is groaning. As I was thinking this week, unfortunately, there are endless examples. Why is it that it's so hard to come up with something relatable when, it's, when, when you're looking for like just that amazing touch point or that amazing story that connects it all together? And yet, when you have to come up with how is creation groaning, the list is endless, right? I mean, 20 mass shootings in like two weeks' time, nothing tells you that creation is groaning like that. We could stop there. Right? The breakdown of relationships that we experience reminds us that all creation is groaning. 
this mental health crisis that we keep hearing about, uh, overwhelming anxiety and depression reminds us that creation is groaning. Uh, It doesn't take a pandemic and millions of deaths around the world to remind us that creation is groaning. There's nothing like national, political, and social tensions and unrest to remind us that creation is groaning. God, help us. There is nothing like hundreds of scandals within the church coming to light, being made known, that reminds us that creation is groaning, even in the church. By the way, not this church, (laughs) the church. Just want to make that clear, right? We are well aware, Christians and non, creation is groaning. And yet, there's always a but. And yet, but God, right? There is this hope that we have that has already been acknowledged in all of these things today. This video that helps us to to explain what the coming of the Spirit of God means. As we read the passage in Acts where Paul is, or where Peter is quoting Joel and reading what, what Paul says in Romans 8, all of these things remind us that there is hope. There is hope because the wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God is still moving in the midst of the groaning, in the darkest, most broken, most dead places. God is still breathing new life. So yes, creation is groaning, but we have hope. See what Peter and the early church, what they are experiencing on Pentecost, if we put ourselves there in that moment, what they are experiencing is, is they have been aware of the groaning, right? They've experienced the groaning themselves. And now they are seeing that the Spirit is, is continuing to move in the midst of that groaning. The Spirit is, is moving into the dark and dead places. And now the Spirit is igniting the disciples, the early church, the people of God. And he is now sending them to go into those dark dead and broken places to be God in the flesh, to represent God in the flesh. This is an important moment where all of God's people are being gathered together and they are all being called to receive this Holy Spirit of God. They are all called to be saved and to join this family of God and they are all being sent. Remember what Jesus said. We didn't really touch on that. But in in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, go and wait, wait for my spirit, and then you're going to go. You're going to go into, you're going to go into all of the earth, to the ends of the earth being filled with my spirit. And so this is a pivotal moment where all tribes, all nations, all tongues or languages, all ethnicities are coming together and they are being united as one. They are all being called to participate in this holy work, being sent into all the nations until the work is done. As N.T. Wright puts it, he says, the spirit unites God's people on earth with the reality of heaven. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. We ask for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's what we pray. That's how we're taught to pray, right? 
And so this is a glimpse of that all people coming together, every tribe and nation and language all coming together to be united as one. This gives us a reality of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. All people, all are now given a glimpse. They're given a foretaste of the future, a glimpse at what God has done, what God will do, but what God is doing right now. So Peter, gosh, what a great moment for Peter. Redemption for Peter. (laughs) Peter, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, he stands up and you can just sense the boldness, right? Like you can just feel the boldness, the emboldening power of the Holy Spirit completely coming over Peter and he stands up and that's like a, a, a moment that marks, it marks a moment when someone stands up like All eyes are on Peter, and he stands up, and he preaches this sermon, and Peter, you know, making this preacher a little bit envious because he didn't even plan or prepare for this moment, and yet the perfect text comes right to him. He didn't have to sit in the office all week and think, like, which text am I going to preach on this day on Pentecost? It just comes to him, and so he stands up, he preaches a sermon, and in that sermon, He reveals just how long God has been up to this new thing, this work that he's been doing. And so Peter, he he quotes Joel, who, who spoke these words in 835 BC. So Joel, 800 or so years earlier, has had this glimpse, right? This foretaste, first fruits of what God is going to do. And so Peter... Quoting Joel, he says, and we have to read it again, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. We got a few kids in the room today, right? You guys, that means you. That means all of you, sons and daughters, old and young, they will all prophesy, Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And so Peter, reminding, reminding God's people of what has been said, that, hey, look, God has always been moving in this direction. God has always been moving in this direction and reminds them of hope and the good news And a glimpse, again, of what is to come. And it's for all who hear. And it's for all who are willing to receive. Peter's reminding us that as prophesied, as prophesied by a prophet who is emboldened by the Spirit of God, as prophesied, the Spirit of God is unleashed. The Spirit of God is on the move. The Spirit of God is here and now. And as, as my dear friend and pastor Amy Mulder said, it's for every people and for every moment. The ever-moving and life-changing Spirit is on the move, and we are now called and invited to participate. We don't just sit back and watch, like, oh, look at that. Oh, cool. Look at him go. We are called to participate. We're called to get our hands dirty. We are called to go and move, being emboldened by the Holy Spirit of God. Make no mistake, we can't go without the Spirit. 
We can't go and be useful without the Holy Spirit of God actively living and dwelling in us. Without that, we can't go and live and breathe and move and do. Again, N.T. Wright leaned on him a lot this week. He said the primary focus here in the Pentecost story is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Without the fulfillment of the Spirit, there is no power, no witness, and no church. And all God's people said, amen. But hear this this morning. That's great news for us, right? That is great news for us. But hear this. The Spirit of God is not for our own benefit. The Spirit of God is not meant to just simply fulfill our own personal desires or aspirations. The Holy Spirit of God is not meant to be hoarded, but it must be shared. It's not just for us to consume for our own personal gain, but it's meant to be shared. Through the Holy Spirit, we are cleansed. We are made new. We are a new creation. And we are more emboldened now, more than ever, empowered and emboldened to truly love God. But as that video so rightly points out, and to love others. The Spirit would come to transform the heart, empowering people, us, to truly love God and love others. It's our tradition as Nazarenes. We are Nazarene people, and we are born from the traditions and theologies of of John Wesley. And so as Nazarenes, we lean heavily. There's a lot of emphasis in the Nazarene church into the Christian life that is lived and and fulfilled by the... I'm sorry, we lean heavily into the Christian life that is filled and fueled by the Holy Spirit. There's a great emphasis on spirit-filled living in the Nazarene church. And we talk about often how with this comes personal growth, a personal growing of faith, and we ought to be able to see and point out the fruits of that faithful living and that inward change. And while that is great news for us, and we love to celebrate that and pride ourselves on the the transformation as spirit-filled people, that's great news for us, but it's also promising and hopeful for humanity because the Spirit of God is moving and creating and is now working through us to reach the entire world. And so, yes, the emphasis for Wesleyans, for us Nazarenes, we, we emphasize how we understand that the Spirit empowers our mission to proclaim the gospel and transform society. We are a holiness people, but our emphasis is being filled with the Spirit and then sent on mission with God. That believers may truly love others as a faithful reflection of God's love toward us. A spirit-filled life is one that truly embodies a love for God and a love for others in word, thought, and deed. And from this moment on, from the moment we are filled 
and touched by God's spirit, we are missional people who are always on mission with God. It doesn't stop. You don't get a break. You don't retire from this life. From that moment on, we are on mission with God, seeking to reach and love others, pointing to the love of Jesus Christ and the life-changing salvation of Jesus Christ. So remember how at the beginning I talked about how Pentecost is often celebrated as the birthday of the church, right? Well, I was thinking about that more this week because we're also planning Nora's birthday party here pretty soon. And I was thinking, um, actually, no, I mean, I read something that totally spurred me in this direction. It wasn't my own thought at all, but it was very relatable because we're planning Nora's birthday party. And when you're planning a birthday party, what do you have? You have a list of people that you're inviting to come, right? You can't invite everybody, It's an exclusive list. There's only a few people that can come. We're having a sleepover. That list is limited, like four or less, right? It's a limited list. Not everybody can come. And so when I read this quote from Professor Jerisha Neal, I love, and it it so resonated with me when she said, Pentecost is less like a birthday party and more like a block party, right? Right? Everyone is invited. Pentecost is more than celebrating a historical event, but Pentecost breaks out into the streets and redefines the neighborhood. All are invited. We want everyone to experience this, not just a select few. This is not an exclusive club, but this is for all. And we take this in here and we go out there knowing that the Spirit goes before us and is in us, and we look for the ways that the Spirit is moving, and we resolve to participate. Always. Pentecost. What we celebrate here. Pentecost is what purifies us, sets our hearts on fire, and enables us to communicate the unquenchable love of God and the restoration of all things through Christ Jesus, who is making all things new. And without Pentecost, without the active presence of the Holy Spirit, I hate to break it to you, we're just people walking around doing things and saying things. There's no purpose, no meaning, no mission. But when the Spirit of God is an active presence in our lives, when we fully submit to the ways of God, living how he's called us to live, when we fully submit to the ways in which Christ is making the kingdom of God realized here and now, and when we fully submit to the purification of the Holy Spirit, then we can be a set-apart people with hearts ablaze who go out into the world and demonstrate God's love in such a way that communicates that all things are being made new. Church, we need Pentecost. We need the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that what we've been praying for for the past five, six weeks? We are utterly and completely dependent upon the Spirit of God. Otherwise, everything we do here is useless. Truly useless. And the more I thought about this this week, you know, it's just, 
I can't get out of my mind that this is not about the, the three Bs that you hear a lot about. Buildings, budgets, bodies and seats. That's not what this is about. It's easy for that to be what, you know, what we focus on. It's easy for that to take up a lot of our conversation and planning and, and all of that, but that's not what this is about. This is about the people of God coming together, recognizing that we are utterly and completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to be living and moving and active. And we come here each week completely open to receiving more of his spirit so that we can leave this place and go out into the world and share with them, hey, we get it. It's groaning. We know, but he's making things new. We have hope. He's not done. So as I invite the praise team to come back, today's invitation is twofold, okay? Today's invitation is twofold. First, I wonder if there is anyone here who desires exactly what we talked about today. I wonder if there's anyone here who, who longs to have the Spirit of God living in you in such a way that it changes every single part of your life, giving you purpose and mission. Hopefully, we all have that, but in case there's someone here that doesn't, or maybe you feel like you once did, but you no longer do, if you long for that this morning, the invitation is to simply open yourself up to God completely and receiving all of himself, all that he has to offer you because it's for all, right? It's for all. If you're open, if you are willing to receive it, it's for you. And so all you have to do if that's you is just open yourself up to God. Tell God that you want to receive more of his Holy Spirit, that you want his spirit living and moving in you, guiding you and leading you, giving you purpose and mission. And if you want me to pray that prayer over you, receiving, just if you want me to pray that you will receive more of God, I'll be right down here, tap me on the shoulder, and I'd love to pray with you that we both <laughs> receive more of God, right? I hope we're all hungry to receive more of God. The second Part of the invitation this morning is one that's a little more creative, a little more unconventional. But as Joel prophesied and as Peter preached, right, that the result of God's Spirit being poured out on all people, it, it, what I gain from that is that we now dream Spirit filled dreams. You get what I'm saying? We don't dream our dreams. When we're planning for the future, we don't make our plans. We lean into God and the Holy Spirit and we say, God, what do you want us to look like? God, what kind of dreams do you want to give me? How can I participate in this work that you are doing? And so if it's true that we are given spirit-filled dreams, what are we dreaming? What's your dream for the people of God? You know, we've been praying for the past several weeks and maybe not all have participated in this call to pray that God would give us vision, 
protection, renewal, revival, right? That's what we've been praying for, so this isn't new. So for some of you, you've had weeks to think about this. You've had weeks to dream spirit-filled dreams, if you will. So what's he saying to you? What are you dreaming? What does it look like to be the community that is having the block party, right? And so if you feel prompted, if something comes to mind, if you've had something on your heart that God has revealed to you, and if you could dream any dream for us and for the church and for the people of God, what would it be? There are cards that look like this that are in front of you, in the seat backs in front of you. And maybe you just want to write down a dream today that you're dreaming for the people of God. I would love to see what your dreams are. Kids, this is for you too. Young and old, right? Male and female, all of God's people will receive spirit-filled dreams. So what are we dreaming? What is God calling us to do? That's what we're after today. So God, as we prepare to come to this time of response and reflection, God, we open ourselves up to you completely. God, would you continue to give us an imagination? God, would you wake us up and, and shake us up a little bit and show us once again what it looks like to be your spirit-filled people? God, would you give us those visions and those dreams? Show us what your kingdom come looks like. God, would you help us to be faithful and obedient to this call to receive and then to go? But God, this morning, we all recognize how much we need you, how much we long for your spirit to fill us, to complete us. So God, would you pour yourself out upon us again today? God, would you help us to be one, one body standing before you, open and ready and willing to receive all that you have to offer. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
morning that we are so full of God's Holy Spirit that the world, when they see us, they experience God's love. You may be seated. So if you were able to fill out this piece of paper, and if you want to take this with you, you're free to do that, but if you want to share what it is that God is speaking to you, and and if you want to share what those Spirit-filled dreams are, then I encourage you to either leave it in your seat or put it back in the seat back and we will check all of those and then find a way to just kind of present what God is sharing with his people, okay? We're going to transition now into a time of communion. Kevin, would you play something for us? Thank you. And as we gather, we're going to do this the same way we did this last month. So I'm going to ask Bo to come down in just a moment, and, and one of us will stand here, and one of us will stand here. And when you are dismissed by, when your row is dismissed by someone who is going to be telling you when you can go, you can come up one aisle and go down another after you receive. Hold on to your elements, and we'll all receive together at the end after everyone has been served. And this here, this is the table of God that is for God's people. And all are welcome to this table. If you sense a need of God's grace, you're you're welcome. You're invited to receive and you are welcome. And this is a moment where we come together to the table, young and old, brother and sister, sons and daughters, we come together to God's table. And the prayer is that we come empty and we leave full. And we believe that Christ fills us in only a way that he can. I was, again, reading from N.T. Wright this week, again, and, and, and he talks about the Eucharist. He talks about communion. And, you know, as Nazarenes, we don't believe that this is the tangible body and blood of Christ. We don't believe that some mysterious transformation has taken place before our very eyes and we are consuming Christ's body and blood. But these are symbols, 
And N.T. Wright talked about how, how Jesus Christness, if you will, lean into this, Jesus Christness is mysteriously transferred into the bread. Right? You got to really have an imagination here. And it doesn't replace the molecules, but it replaces the substance. He says it replaces the breadness. This is no longer just bread for the sake of eating bread. Right? This is a moment where we don't look back to Jesus and the cross necessarily, but we look on to Jesus. And as we strain our eyes forward, sometimes we really got to strain because it's really hard to see, but as we strain our eyes forward, we get a glimpse, right? We get this holy glimpse at his plan for the whole created order as we are emboldened once again by his Holy Spirit. So when you are dismissed, you are invited to come forward we do have gluten-free. If you need that, just let us know that you're needing gluten-free. We also have pre-packaged elements. If you prefer that, just let us know, okay? God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for these elements, which are tangible reminders of your grace and your love. God, would you purify us and make us more like you? In Christ's name we pray, amen. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Take and eat this morning and be thankful. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my covenant that is poured out for you in the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink in remembrance of me. Take and drink and be thankful this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's, let's sing this together this morning, the doxology. Before we leave this morning, I just have a few quick announcements to share with you. Um, tomorrow night here at the church from 6 to 8, we are going to be hosting a Restore Network 101 class, okay? And this is for anyone who is interested in learning more about how you can support Restore Network. We're not necessarily talking about financially because we've covered that. And you're always welcome to participate in giving for Restore. But this is an informational meeting. If you've ever had questions about fostering or if you're trying to find out more information about what you can do with what you have, you're invited to attend. This is not something where you're going to come 
and you're going to feel pressured to foster. There is no pressure. You don't sign up for anything. It's simply to come and receive more information about what it looks like for you to support the very important work of Restore Network as we, the people of God, come together and answer the call to care for those who don't have homes, right? The crisis is real, and so if we care, we come together to to find out how we can participate and help. So that is for anyone. If you think that you could come, would you text that number? It's 833-309-2721, and you just text FOSTER, and that will sign you up and get you ready to go. I'll be here, and um, we're just looking forward to learning more, okay? The second announcement, and last this morning, is that our summer lunch program is going to begin this Tuesday, June 7th, and so if you would like to come and you're not sure what that is, we come and we prepare lunches, and then we take them out to the local neighborhoods that are in the Whiteside School District, and we pass out those lunches that they would typically get at school every day. So churches in this area partner together. We each take a day, and we come, we pack the lunches, and then we go in the name of Jesus, and we deliver this food to these kiddos. So if you are interested in coming and helping, then you can come here. Uh, We'll be in the kitchen packing this Tuesday. You can come at 1130, and uh, we'll go from there. That'll be every Tuesday this summer all the way until August, okay? You can come anytime. You don't have to be here every week. You can just come when you can, and you're always welcome and invited. So at this time, I'd like to invite you all to stand this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, being filled with his Holy Spirit and being sent out into the world to share the hope and love that we carry in Christ's name. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.